filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Watch out for the filibuster. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Filibuster Freestyle. It is your buddy Gavin. It is December 12th, I believe, 2017. We've got Andrew Patterson with us from Walpole. Let's just bring him right in. Andrew Patterson, how are you, buddy? I am good. I am uh, a little tired for the for the listening audience. It is 7.21 here in Walpole, Massachusetts, which means it's been dark for approximately three and a half hours. Yeah. So my body has been telling me to go to bed for, you know, a few of those hours already. Well, winter's a beautiful that thing. winter tired. It's that winter tired that's always going on. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. That's why folks need to, you know, recharge the old batteries, get in some sunshine. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see you again down here at the headquarters in Charlotte uh, in, in February, potentially. I would, I, I, I'm lo- it's looking like it, absolutely. All right, good, because yeah. uh, we, we, we love having, we love having uh, live punditry. In fact, just really quickly, if you want to go on filibusterfreestyle.com, everybody who's listening, and you can probably find uh, the – the story of when Andrew was visiting me last year down here and some drunk woman tried to become best friends with him and come over to my house with him, unbeknownst yeah. to him or me. Neither, yeah, here, neither here nor there, but a really good uh, filibuster freestyle from earlier this year, uh, and it's certainly on our SoundCloud page. But and, and I think to call on a theme that has since run through 2017, I don't know if I make it on the podcast, but I've since described to people that I thought I got a little bit of a taste of what it must like be to be a woman in a bar. Right. right. And it was horrible. I, it's, it's horrible. Yeah, when somebody is incessantly pestering you. Now, you mentioned 2017. Yeah. And actually, we talked very quickly a few minutes before we started the show that I have, a, I have an observation about 2017 related to 2016, okay? Yeah. Remember last, last year... Around this time, everybody was like, oh, man, why are so many more celebrities dying than used yeah. to be? Yeah. And I think a lot of people, just to go back to back, back in time, you know, retroactively here, I think it was because there are more famous people from like the 60s and 70s who are old now and yeah. they're dying, which is totally natural. But what I want to say is 2017 has been so screwed up that the last thing people care about – are celebrities dying, with the mm-hmm. exception of Tom Petty, who I think is unilaterally beloved. Yes. Nobody has given a flying F train about celebrity deaths the way they gave, they gave an F train about them a year ago. Do you agree? In 2016. I totally agree. Uh, brings me to two tweets I've seen recently about this, so I wish I could give proper credit to the right Twitter handles. But one was uh, Twitter in 2016. Man, this celebrity's name is trending. I hope they didn't die. Okay. And then followed up by Twitter in 2017. Man, this celebrity's name is trending. I hope they haven't sexually harassed someone. Phen- phenomenal point. And yeah. uh, celebrity deaths no longer matter, but definitely what has replaced those are the deaths of the careers of celebrities who have inappropriately harassed, bothered, harangued, I believe is a word that we could use. Innocent, good people, mainly women, but also we know that it cuts both ways. And Kevin Spacey, enough said, uh, men are not, you know, men are not uh, immune from being harassed either by celebrities and powerful no, people. Right. 
And I'm glad you clarified there for because for a second I thought you were going on a terrible bend where you were going to call Kevin Spacey a woman. I was. I thought you were worried I was going to defend him, which I would never do. No, no, no. I would never suspect you would defend him. I thought there was. A, I, I got too focused on the men harassing women, and then you said, and we all know it can cut both ways. But you alien men, and men can harass other men as well. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And in yeah. theory, women can harass other women or women can harass other men, but it seems to be a trend that it's men harassing women and yeah. men harassing men. Absolutely. Perfect. Okay. Um, I've got – so really quickly because I'm going to forget the setup. After we hang up, you and I, I'm going to talk to our buddy Carl Ray in Philadelphia about um, non-Christmas Christmas movies. So movies that are set during Christmas but that are not Christmas movies. Okay, um, i got two. You've got two? Yeah, yeah throw, and, and I'm not a movie guy. Yes, yeah, you, you're not. That's why you're not part of that discussion. But please give me your two now. So uh, the obvious one, Die Hard. Correct. Uh, and the second, and so my second one is obvious as well, Gremlins. Yes, and those are two of the ones that Carl cited to me when he said there was a need to do this. So later in the show, hopefully, if I'm not too lazy, everybody who's listening, I will write in the description where Andrew uh, signs off and where Carl comes in. But anyway. Later in the show, if you're looking for non-Christmas Christmas movies, it'll be later in the show. Now, what we're going to do here is a couple random takes, but I do want to, because I'm going to call this the best Christmas music list plus non-Christmas Christmas movies 2017 edition, I want to hit you with an interesting theory that I, not theory, observation again from the weekend, okay? Okay. Actually, the weekend as this past weekend or Selena Gomez's ex-boyfriend the weekend? Oh, man. Well said. To clarify, not Selena Gomez's ex-boyfriend, but she will actually factor into what I'm about to say. So you had no, you had no idea that was going to happen. No, I had no idea. But you nailed it. So from the weekend past, so I was on a long car, car ride uh, from Charleston, South Carolina, back to Charlotte with pundit Cindy Harrington. And I say to my – we went to a wedding there. More on that in a minute, yeah. by the way, too. Okay. But, but I say, hey, let's give the Spotify global top 50 a try. Yeah. Let's see what's number one and number 15. We're going to be in the car for three hours. Let's go. So number one song is Rockstar by Post Malone. Number two song, Havana by Camila Cabela. Okay? Yeah. Number three song, New Rules by Dua Lipa. Number four song, Your Girl Selena Gomez doing a duet called Wolves with some producer guy. Number five, speaking of duets, is a song called Perfect with Ed Sheeran and the great Beyonce singing together. And song number yeah. seven, I know I skipped six, I'm going to come back to six, is Ed Sheeran singing the same song, Perfect, by himself. Okay? Yeah. So these are really popular songs. What do you think song number six in the entire Spotify global top 50 was? All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. Holy cow, this kid... Play the lottery tonight. You are so prescient. And of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. But yeah. Okay. How did you know that? Were you listening to the Global Top 50? No, because what what else would it be? Okay. It's Christmas season. Okay. And what else does – what is every – to quote The Rock, jabroni playing for his girl that they're having their first Christmas Ooh. is like – Oh, I'm playing you, Mariah Carey, is all I want for Christmas. Because every woman loves that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every dude I know has will play that song as like uh, cooking dinner for a woman during this season jam. Andrew, this couldn't have gone better because you literally 
are like reading the mind of my observation, which is, and then you answer the question, which is how the hell does a song that's 20 years old and seasonal get into the global top six? Yeah, yeah I mean, it is quite an accomplishment. Now, now, before we, go ahead, go ahead. Holy shit, do I hate that song. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's very, my God. okay, now. I, I, I told you pre-show, I didn't have rants. I don't know if I have enough to rant about All I Want for Christmas okay. by Mariah Carey, but I am fuming about it. And I am very close also to harken back to two minutes ago to ranting about The weekend, taking the goddamn The weekend as his name. So now everybody has to chime in with, oh no, I don't mean The weekend. I mean Saturday and Sunday, which has been called The weekend for the past 2,000 years. <laughs> I knew I could get something out of you. I knew I could do it. I knew you had it in you. That's why you're the legendary guest. You're on the Mount Rushmore, my friend. Filibuster Freestyle. Exclusive rant on the weekend. Not being some guy from Toronto who sings pop songs, but as all, the artist formerly known as Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to give you songs 8 through 17, but do you want to guess what song number 18 was of all the songs around the world that are popular this week? I have less faith in what I'm going to guess anything else would be. I want to guess one of those stupid Michael Buble Christmas songs. All right, not a terrible guess because he he does factor in, but it's like further down. But yep. the second most popular Christmas song, because you clearly know the angle I'm going here. Right. It's, it's unbelievable to me for so many reasons. It is Wham's, not George Michael, Wham's version of last christmas oh wow now that you say it it makes a lot of sense uh but i never would have come up with that but here's my thing and i'm i'm in the same camp as you on the mariah carey thing and that if i'm gonna pick my favorite 10 christmas songs for me that one's not gonna be on my list though i do agree that it's ubiquitously popular so fine yeah but i mean I don't even mean George Michael. I'm talking Wham, like Andrew the other guy, whatever his name was. Right. Like, yeah. and I think he's still alive somewhere. And George Michael, of course, has left has left this beautiful earth. Um, how about the guy from Wham being like, if it wasn't for Mariah Carey, I would have the top Christmas song in the world right now. Yeah, I would be staking claim to it. That's um, yeah, that's really that's a yeah. I mean, I now that I think about it, it really is kind of more and more mind blowing that that's. What stuck with us, that that's a song that has somehow permeated generations of Christmas. Yes. I mean, I like it better than All I Want for Christmas simply because it is not All I Want for Christmas is You. Yeah. Solid point. But I can't believe it's the number two Christmas song in the world on Spotify right now. No. Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I can't believe really any Christmas songs. I, I think we've, I don't know if we've discussed this before, but since I've been about 10 years old, my family's called me the Grinch. Yeah. Um, like the only 10-year-old in the world who did not like Christmas. But I've never really liked Christmas. Uh, so really, my, my place in commenting on Christmas songs is, you know, if I was going to fill out my top 10 Christmas songs, number one is uh, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> and number two through 10 is Dominic the Donkey. <laughs> I will say, shout out to our buddy Big Larry, Big Larry in Philadelphia. Chickity ching eah eah it's Dominic the Donkey, the Italian yeah. Christmas donkey. Uh, what a so jam. All, all of Christmas music sends me close to a rage. Okay. Well, let me ask you this then. 
Yeah. Uh, because clearly you ironically enjoy your Amino Mr. Grinch and Dominic the Italian Christmas Donkey, correct? Yeah. Do you think the reason that the Wham! song, at the very least, is as high as it is, is because of all the hipsters and millennials who are ironically listening to Wham! Christmas songs at their ugly sweater parties? Because that's my theory. That's a great theory. Uh, that's a really good theory. Um, I, I also think that there's a not insignificant amount of women our age. I mean, I think we are in a generation now, like, where women our age and men our age have, like, friend Christmas parties. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Friendsgiving, but for Christmas. Friendsgiving, but for Christmas. Um, I have a buddy up here who calls it Man Miss, which I think is a great name for it. But uh, it's... I can see women our age are a little bit older, not ironically liking that song, but genuinely liking that song and putting it on a Christmas playlist. Fair. So anyway, regardless of whether it's being listened to seriously, ironically, or likely a combination of both, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Coming in at 18 in the world this week on the global top 50 yeah. on Spotify, Wham's Last Christmas. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I mean, he must be making up. He must be making some bank off of that song still, huh? I would hope so. I mean, number eighteen in the world. You don't have to do anything to it anymore. What do you get? Like, even if it's like ten cents a play or a penny a play or something. Yeah, Andrew, whatever his name is, is raking in some cash. My favorite part is I don't even know that if his first name is Andrew, and I'm pretty sure it is, but maybe I'm confused because your name's Andrew. I just don't yeah. know anymore. Uh, and, I, and I like, yeah. By the way, crack research team will attempt to figure that out between now and like next week. Um, okay, I might even look it up, but when I'm not talking to you and I'm and I'm waiting for Carl and like make that addendum later in the show. Right. Um, in fact, I'm gonna put it in my notes now. <laughs> Who is the other guy in Wham! Exclamation point. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I got one more thing for you, and then I can let you... Two more things, actually. Sorry. This is turning into a real pod. Um, we've all been to weddings. I mentioned I went to a wedding earlier this week, this weekend, not with the weekend. Um, yeah. And there's always in the wedding party a look-at-me guy, and he's never the groom. No, never. And the look at me guy usually really excels at the church as an usher. Um, he owns and in some ways actually owns to a point of d- diminishing returns the dance floor during the reception. Yeah. But by the after party, he realizes that coming solo or stag didn't help him actually meet any girls because all the girls he wants to talk to brought dates. And now he's looking to get into a fight. Well, I literally got to personally witness Look at me, wedding party guy, in all four of his glorious stages. The, 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 trans, the transcension, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was just a transformation. Yeah, I don't know what I was going for. Doesn't Ascension, matter. maybe? Transcension, I like. Hashtag yeah. transcension, hashtag yeah. filibuster freestyle. Maybe I was going for transition, I don't know. Yeah, it was a transition. So anyway, uh, you're familiar with this person, right? I mean, not this person specifically. Yeah. But can this I, guy. Can I give us a scene that he always tries to own it on, or do you want me to wait until I I'm, go through the various stages? No, no, I'm good. I, it's just a quick observation, so please go ahead. So if you are at a wedding and you are trying to want, and you're not sure who that guy is going to be, when they introduce the wedding party, he is going to come out, put his girl on a spin, and like either stick his butt out or do some silly little dance more than just walk out with the girl he's supposed to escort. That's him. Yep. Yeah, if you don't know who it is by then, that's your tip-off. Right, exactly. Yeah, totally true. Totally true. All right, that's all I have there. But 
for those of you going to holiday or New Year's weddings, you know, if you're in the wedding yeah, party and, and you're psyched, keep it locked up. Don't be that guy. Yeah. Don't be that guy. You know, or, or cut it off at the funny entrance and then... Or do you even cut it off at the owning the dance floor? Yeah. Just don't try to fight anybody at the after party. Right. We're, Absolutely. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no fights. I'm in a suit. You're in a tux. We're both 40. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Also, I'm not in a disagreement with you. I, I'd be one thing if I was chastising you. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Finally. I mentioned to you that Mike Birbiglia, comedian Mike Birbiglia, is coming out with a new special. I think it's his new album's called The New One. And I, saw, I saw it in Boston recently. Oh, cool. Great show. Great Very show. Good. I'm sure it was. And so he's promoting it. I think he's yeah. releasing it. So he's promoting it with a series of podcasts called The Old Ones where he's got a guest uh, the first two that came out, one is with John Mulaney, and one with his brother Joe, Joey Bag of Donuts, Joey Burbigs. And he basically rehashes old stand-up comedy albums or, or acts or specials yeah. and with some commentary from the guy. It's great. But he tells the incredibly funny story about the time he was performing for like the Baseball Hall of Fame Writers Convention and the Lifetime Achievement that, that Award guy story. spoke. And he was in the restroom. And the guy, bottom line is the guy kind of snubs him and he doesn't know the guy's blind. And so he kind of like tries to shake his hand, not knowing that he's being completely disrespectful. And yeah. he, he gets back to his seat and says to Red Sox, oh, first of all, Pro Baseball Hall of Famer, Red Sox current like play-by-play, I'm sorry, color announcer for Nesson, Dennis Eckersley. Hey, Eckersley, did you see that guy snub me? And Eckersley's line is, eh, F him. Yeah. Okay. And what's great about it, besides that I almost drove off the road and killed myself. Reliving that story uh, with Mike Burbiggs and his brother Joey Bag of Donuts and Sandy Harrington and the shotgun um, is that it made me think about this past summer when Dennis Eckersley was like the target of Red Sox former ace, highest paid player pitcher, David Price. Yeah. And then Justin Pedroia kind of jumped on the pile and they basically everybody was feeling bad for Eck because Eck. You know, he's an older guy, he's a legend, and the players are being mean to him and blah, 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 and they're coddled. But I remember, like, not caring at all about Eckersley's plight, and I'm like, yeah, screw Eckersley. And I didn't know why. I had no idea why I hated him so much or didn't care about his plight. And then, right. and then I hear this take of, like, a recap of a, of a comedy special, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Eck saying, eh, him about a blind sports writer is exactly why I don't care that David Price was mean to him on the team charter. Yeah, and I think in that story, correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a while since I've listened to this one, Eckersley knows he's blind, and Mike Birbiglia still does not when he tells that story to Mike to Dennis Eckersley, and is blown away that Dennis Eckersley knowingly told him, eh, F him about a blind guy. Yeah, like the correct answer would have been like, you know he's blind, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well. Yeah, that is a... Um, Mike Birbiglia is, uh, for anybody here listening, especially, well, not especially your Massachusetts people, but your Massachusetts people, he is, he went to high school with our own Chris Orozco. Yes, Roscoe P, a.k.a. Chris Orozco, went to high school, or I believe middle school maybe, with Mike Birbiglia. And um, what I think is, Mike Birbiglia, I have been a fan of his since the beginning. Yep, you were in early, um, you introduced me to him for sure. And... His 
albums and his act has progressed so much and he's matured so much as a comedian. Sure. Like, it's really cool, I think. And I'm excited for the podcast. I've been kind of saving up the, the episodes. So yeah. It's only two. Um, his first album is drastically different from um, anything he does afterwards. I mean, his first album is more like true stand-up where he does routines. Uh, he has a great, great bit in there about George Bush being like the guy next door who wants to play wiffle ball with you at, um, <laughs> at cookouts. <laughs> I think nice. he calls him wiffle ball, Tony. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to go back and listen, but it's a great album. And since then, all of his new stuff is he basically tells a story over the course of an hour and just masterfully weaves in stand up routines. Yes. And bits. It's really something to marvel at. Yeah. He, he is a great job. And so props to Bert Gifted Biggs. performer. Now, really quickly, before I let you go, I've already, Wikipedia, Wham, and the other Michael, the other member besides George Michael is Andrew Ridgely. Okay, so we were right on the money. Yeah, better you known as Andrew you somebody. Were right on the money. You better were known right as on the money. I never would have gotten anything, and then the only thing that was stuck in my head for the next ten minutes was Andrew WK, who I knew was not the other member of Wham. Definitely wasn't in Wham. At least not the original membership. Now, if Andrew Ridgely wants to start. A new wham with his yeah. really money 18th most popular song in the world on Spotify last Christmas with comedian Andrew WK. Far be it from us to stop him. Right. Okay. You, you're in. All right, man. Listen, I'm going to leave it there with you. Philbusterfreestyle.com. Stick around for a minute and we'll catch you up, make some Christmas plans. Ooh, I do want to talk to you when we get offline, but ladies and gentlemen, Philbuster Freestyle Fantasy Football League playoff action is happening and we're going to have a banquet this year in Boston. Andrew, thanks for being on, buddy. Thanks for having me. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we've got Carl Ray coming in after Andrew Patterson. We talked about some Christmas music. Let's talk about some Christmas movies that are actually not Christmas movies and or non-Christmas movies that happen to be based somehow in and around Christmas. Carl Ray, first of all, how the heck are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. What beer were you just drinking right there? What do you got? I got Trogues. Mad Elf. A little seasonal beer for a seasonal time. Unofficial sponsor of the week on the Filibuster Freestyle and, of course, filibusterfreestyle.com. So let me do this, Carl. This is a great idea by you. I enjoy that Carl, not only does Carl suggest podcast topics, but he's prepared to actually do the research. Um, There's some really good non-Christmas Christmas movies. But one thing I, I found in my research that I'm not sure if you were aware of, but I think you might be because I know how much you enjoy scary movies, are how many horror-based movies are based around Christmas themes. So, for instance, there's a movie called Santa's Slay, S-L-A-Y, and Santa, who's also a serial killer, is played by former wrestler Bill Goldberg. Um, There's the 1974 Black Christmas. There's 1984's Band Across the United States, Silent Night, Deadly Night. There's a horror movie called Elves. Uh, Gary Busey was in The Gingerbread Man. There's 1997's Jack Frost, which is about a psychopathic snowman. And then, of course, 1980's Christmas Evil. And there's more than that. But just did you know about these, Carl, or not? So I did the research, and I'm actually a scary movie fan. Um, you know, maybe, maybe not for the quality of film, but for just the genre – Yep. Uh, so yeah, I did know that there were a lot of um, 
I guess, Christmas-themed uh, scary movies. And there's actually a couple on this list that I'll talk about that you didn't mention Good. that are actually really, really entertaining. Good. Okay, well, then let me ask you this. Where where do you want to start? Do you want to, like, list these off? Do you want to uh, break them down? I mean, do you tell me. So, um, why don't I, I have one that I wanted to start with that is kind of maybe a forgotten movie. I think is actually a decent flick um, called The Ref. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a movie in 1994. Um, uh, the actors are uh, Dennis Leary, um, let's see, Judy Davis, and uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, our buddy, what's his name? Um, the much maligned Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey, yes, before we knew that he was an absolute jerk. Um, but basically, it's about Dennis Leary's a Catholic burglar. And he gets stuck in a town on Christmas Eve because his partner, who is a drunk, forgot to show up as a getaway driver. (laughs) That's brutal. (laughs) So he gets stuck in this couple's house, uh, Judy Davis and uh, the jerk, um, who are a couple on the verge of a divorce. So they're having like a huge argument and fight and basically ignoring the fact that there is a guy with a gun holding them up the entire time. And um, it just kind of unravels. Their kid comes home, who's a complete delinquent. Right. Uh, totally, uh, you know, admires Dennis Leary. Then their family comes over, who they all hate. None of them get along. Dennis Leary ends up playing, um, uh, basically, uh, you know, Mr. Therapy, running one long therapy session uh, while he waits for his uh, ride, not so, not so patiently. It's actually a really entertaining movie. Uh, there's a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome in there. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. Yeah, they end up helping him at the end, but um, he ends up helping them too, um, which is kind of cool. Which is a really nice uh, dark comedy Christmas spirit moment, right? Dark comedy Christmas, plenty of F-bombs by Dennis Leary. It's of typical. Yeah, it's typical Dennis Leary and Dennis Leary fashion. It's him playing himself, which is great. Now, would you call that your favorite of these movies or no? No, I was saving that for last. Good, okay, perfect. Okay, what do you got next? So, why don't we go to, because we talked about a couple movies that I did not get to. Um, We can talk about First Batman Returns, and admittedly, I wasn't going to spend the money to rent that. Right. (laughs) Now, if I remember correctly, the original Batman, by original I mean the Michael Keaton Batman series. That's right. uh, Was, uh, Kim Basinger was kind of Vicky Vale, I think her name was, and... Um, the Joker, played by Jack Nicholson, was the villain. In Batman Returns, and this is actually a perfect segue for what we mean, which is the Batman universe clearly doesn't need Christmas to function. Right. But they chose to set a good portion of the movie during the Christmas season in Gotham City, um, which makes a lot of sense because Gotham certainly is based off of some amalgamation of New York and potentially New Chicago, York. but mainly New York. And more importantly, New York in the holidays is very iconic. So I'm sure shooting in New York anyway made it really palpable to involve the Christmas motif. But anyway, this one has got, I believe, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, the great Danny DeVito as the Penguin, and of course, again, Michael Keaton, who um, now that we've had so many other Batmans since him – his performance as Batman has only been elevated in my mind. He might be right below Christian Bale um, as the yeah. best movie Batman I think of, of the since the late '80s. Anyway, good flick, worth watching. Certainly is the exact thing we're looking for in terms of a, a movie that does not need Christmas to function, 
but it's centered around a Christmas theme. I think I actually saw this when I was young. You probably uh, did, yeah. During the Christmas holidays. So, uh, you know, a lot of big movies come out around Christmas time because they know people are home, people have time to go watch the movies. Um, so I think they kind of geared this towards Christmas yeah. to capitalize on that. No question. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know Christopher Walken was in that, so. Oh, I, didn't, I don't remember that, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. And then you also mentioned another one that you said you uh, you didn't get to, which is Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Didn't realize that was a based around the holidays, but there there was a holiday uh, theme to that. Absolutely. And, I mean, to be honest, uh, a great movie that actually spawned, like, a, a huge franchise. Um, I'm just trying to look through I, I got a competing set of notes here for a second. Uh, let me just double. Yeah, yeah. Some of it didn't didn't potentially. Da- oh, here we go. Hold on. Maybe this will work. The bottom line is, yeah. Some of my notes didn't get all the way through, so that's good that I have this second set of notes here. Um, Lethal Weapon. I'm trying to think. Was Lethal Weapon two also based around Christmas? No. Okay. I don't think it was. Because what we're gonna have. Sorry for everybody for the dead air. But I've got a couple examples of sequels. So, for instance, we'll get into Die Hard. Not necessarily right now, but we can. But Die Hard, the original, happens to be set at Christmas. That would count on this list. The fact that they chose intentionally to make Die Hard 2 also set at Christmas, in my mind, negates it. Because, for instance, Die Hard with a Vengeance, a.k.a. Die Hard 3, was not set at Christmas, and everybody was fine. So they didn't need it. They decided to be gratuitous and go back again. I can't give them that. But on the flip side... Ghostbusters 1 is a regular movie. Ghostbusters 2 happens to be set at Christmas. That would count because Ghostbusters universe can exist without Christmas and not vice versa. So there's some kind of like fun little things here. Anyway. That's right. That's right. Well, what do you got next? Okay. So so you touched on horror movies. Probably one of my favorite all-around movies anyway is Gremlins, which was in 1984. Yep. And um, I know I know you're you're wincing there because it's not a great it's a good bad movie. I don't mind Gremlins. I have a soft spot in my heart for Gremlins. Okay, so um, it's about an inventor slash traveling salesman father who's on a sales trip and runs across a unique creature while he's in Chinatown in his shop trying to sell his gadgets. The creature's called a Mogwai. Uh, he has to have it for his son as a pet. Uh, he tries to offer the shop owner a bunch of money. The shop owner doesn't want it. The shop owner's kid realizes that they need the money, runs out, tells the father, look, well, I'll take the money, but there's three rules. Don't put the thing in sunlight. Don't get water on it. And whatever you do, don't feed it after midnight. Right. Well, of course, all three rules get broken. Um, you know, first, the, they get water on it. The thing just completely multiplies and there's millions of these mogwai running around not millions but tens and then you know these things are like worse than the original mogwai and uh they end up setting back the clock so that they can eat past midnight they turn into these horrible monsters which run amok in the town um one of my favorite scenes in that movie is the bar scene okay i don't know Okay. Oh, it's a kind of like a montage. They're all partying in the bar, right? All the gremlins. They're all, like, all the bad gremlins are, like, partying in the bar. There's, like, one that's, like, underneath the tap. His belly's getting bigger as beer's, like, going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great scene. They're playing cards. They're, like, you know, spinning around the fan. It's a great scene. 
By uh, the way, how about a movie that didn't even need the quote unquote at the time star power, but the the romantic lead, the lady, is the great Phoebe Cates of Fast Times oh, yeah. Ridgemont High fame. Goodness gracious! Oh yeah, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, I don't know if the uh, the lead guy was in anything else. He was, um, but I can't even remember who it was right now because I didn't. I knew you'd be on this one, so I didn't do much on it. But he was in other stuff. I'll look it up. You keep going. What? Such an '80s flick. I mean, you know, it's a cold town. You get the sense that it's cold. Uh, <laughs> he's driving around in a um, a Volkswagen Bug, like Beetle, like an old one, yep. like a '70s one. That's always like frosted over. Never starts. I mean. It's really, it's really a neat movie, and uh, it's definitely a Christmas theme to it. But it's all in all, it's it's supposed to be like a scary movie slash comedy, um, which were really big in the eighties, by the way. Yeah, yeah, scary comedy. Which, yeah. It, by the way, just really quickly, while while I've got the Wikipedia page up, made for eleven million dollars and grossed one hundred and fifty three million at the box office. Oh yeah. Definitely a little bunch, and that's I back mean, when a million bucks was a lot of money too. But well, even the even like the monsters, like the gremlins, when they turn into gremlins, they're they're just like little like rubber creatures with like uh, they're puppets, basically. Right. And by the Somebody's way, hand behind this thing. The star of the movie, I believe, is a guy named Zach Galligan, and I don't know if he's been in anything else. But yeah. Oh, here's a fun little fact, though. Howie Mandel provided the voice of Gizmo, so there you go. Really? Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Props but to my man Howie Mandel. All right, let me give you a couple I just want to give honorable mentions to, okay? Because I had forgotten that they had some Christmas elements, but they are really decent movies. So number one is the Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio vehicle, Catch Me If You Can, uh, which has a lot of Christmas thematics because of how lonely Leo's character is during each Christmas. And they keep returning to different arcs of him being on the run and eluding Tom Hanks' character, Hanratty, uh, you know, and so anyway, it's it's um, it's it's actually a fairly Christmas-based non-Christmas movie because it's actually based off of a real story, and the main character's name in real life is escaping me, but you know, this is a guy who basically ran away from home as a kid because his family was falling apart and became like the best check forger in the world, and then wound up becoming the best like anti-theft FBI agent in the world <laughs> years later. So that movie, huge, huge shout out to that one as being a non-Christmas. Call uh, the detective every Christmas. Cause yeah. He's so yeah, okay. he calls Hanratty every Christmas. Okay. Yeah, which is him a Merry Christmas, even though you know they're, they're mortal, not mortal enemies, but they're they're definitely adversaries for sure. Right. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, Eyes Wide Shut, which I can't even remember enough about that movie, other than it was very disturbing in a lot of ways. And, but like, apparently, it made when I looked at the um, our friends at I believe they were called like WeAreMovieGeeks.com or something like that. Yeah. We are moviegeeks.com provided a list of essential non-Christmas Christmas movies, and one of them was Eyes Wide Shut. So just to the former couple, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, and the great Stanley Kubrick's last, that I believe last film ever, uh, apparently it's a non-Christmas Christmas movie with a lot of erotica. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> so we're doing, so Stanley Kubrick was, I mean, was The Shining, was that based around Christmas or just the winter? I don't know, man. I didn't show up in any of the lists, and I don't okay. know. So, okay. and let me give you one more because I, I, I just didn't think about it. I doubt it's on your list. But Mr. and Mrs. Smith, 2005 vehicle with Brad Pitt and Angelina Lena Jolie playing married spies of rival agencies. Uh, great supporting work from Vince Vaughn in this one. Totally forgot there were some Christmas elements to it. There are. Definitely not a Christmas movie. Good stuff. 
Okay. Hit us up. So I have a couple, uh, I guess, honorable mentions. Yeah, hit, um, hit us up. Absolutely. I, I, I talked to you about how I like uh, scary movies. Um, th- there's a movie called The Children, uh, yeah. which I think was a newer flick and I believe a British flick. It's been a little bit since I've seen it, but really kind of a creepy movie. A family, um, um, I guess a couple like aunts, uncles, and kids, they go to an English estate. It's like in the countryside, like on a mountain, it's snowing. Uh, it's definitely based around Christmas. The kids somehow get sick and start to systematically kill all the adults. And it's really creepy. It's worth a watch if you like scary movies. Actually, genuinely scary. Yeah. Uh, it is based around Christmas. Uh, I think that movie. And then uh, a newer one, Krampus. Yeah, uh, I don't know that one. Okay. Had um, Adam Scott is in it. Yep. And then um, um, I forget the one guy that plays in uh, – he plays in uh, with Will Ferrell. I'll think of it. Anyway, um, it's uh, Santa's Shadow. It's, it's like German folklore. So instead of getting cold, this guy Krampus shows up and terrorizes the kids, terrorizes the family. Uh, so that gets a mention. I, I thought it was kind of entertaining. Okay. Yeah. Um, one more, just I want to mention it. It was a very good movie, a Tim Burton classic, Edward Scissorhands. Okay. Definitely has some Christmas elements to it as well. And then I think the rest of the ones that I am saving are, I think, quintessential non-Christmas Christmas movies. But I want you to get through your stuff. So. Perfect. So let's – Go right into Die Hard. Let's go right into Die Hard. One yeah, of the best. In fact, two years ago, when Ann Kennedy and I did a Christmas movie's favorites, both of us had Die Hard in as our favorites. So It's funny this makes the Christmas movie an anti-Christmas movie list. I think you can go either way because, frankly, if you want to be uh, argue that it's a Christmas movie, it's there for you. But if you want to say Die Hard definitely could have existed out on Christmas, absolutely. So go for it. What do you got? Yeah, it's a badass New York cop. He goes to visit, is it his ex-wife? Ex- They're separated. They're separated. So he goes to visit her in L.A. at her company holiday party. Nakatomi um, Plaza. Yep. The, the party gets hijacked. Oh, oh, by the way, when company parties were still allowed, there was booze flowing and, you know, like, oh, yeah. like a whole party. Yeah, back in the, the late 80s, hi- go for it. The party gets hijacked by a terrorist, Hans yeah. Gruber. Which is still the coolest villain name of all time. We all love Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber, great character. John McClane somehow escapes in no shoes uh, during that party for whatever reason and ends up saving the day by killing 12 terrorists and saving, I think, 33 of the 35 hostages. Right. And frankly, uh, frankly, really quickly, Ellis, the uh, cocaine-using sycophant, uh, he got himself killed. Not, not John's fault. Harry Ellis was really the worst hostage of all time. He tried to give up John McClane, uh, you know, coked out of his mind, and uh, it backfired. I will say this, though. <laughs> uh, the best thing about that movie, my, my favorite throwaway line, is when uh, the, the actor Reginald Vell Johnson, may, many of you will know him as Carl Winslow from Family Matters, he plays the cop, and he is reversing his car while John McClane is shooting at his car to get his attention. And he yells to dispatch, someone's throwing a McConaughey's with cheese. It's his best line in the whole movie. 
And uh, also, what's the limo driver's name? Argyle. Argyle. Legend. Argyle is classic. And then, um, so, you know, the famous line is yippee ki mf but Correct. But the TV edited version had, like, something really fun that he says. Yeah, I forget what it is, too, but it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's, like, such a bad, like, edit. But it, it's it's hilarious. One of the things right. I think we miss in this Netflix era is when you had to watch something like this on TBS. And right. it was, you know, like I think there was one like Mother Clucker, like with a CL. There was I, like my friend. I think it was Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon. Yeah, Mr. Falcon. That's it. That's it. That's Mr. it. Falcon. Yippie Kaye, Mr. Yippie. Falcon. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was it. Right. Okay. Right. That was their replacement for MFR. Yeah. For- BKA Mr. Falcon is phenomenal stuff. Um, Yeah, I think Die Hard's right up there. Now, let me give you one that I don't know how far it is up for you. Okay. But if it is, great, and I'm sorry to steal your thunder, but I know it's not what I believe is your favorite, so I don't think I'm stealing your ultimate thunder. Um, Rocky IV. Wow, okay. Rocky IV fights Ivan Drago on Christmas Day in Moscow. Rocky IV... Oh, I don't know. He trains in a barn in Siberia. He climbs like the Ural Mountains. He ends the Cold War with a post-fight speech. Right. To, to me, wow, that is 1980s Christmas in your face. Super cool. Um, you know, beyond Christmas. Uh, so Drago's got all the new technology when he's training. He's yep. got all these yep. sensors that are, you know, telling him how much pounds per square inch his bunch is. And Rocky's just in the Russian mountains, training, chopping down trees, you know, carrying lumber and running through snow, and it's just so neat. Oh, running the KBG Escort, all of it. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that as a Christmas, well, non-Christmas movie. That's why there's two of us, buddy. It's all good. And actually, this actually gave me some time to find a couple other mentions I want to make, and then I want to get into some of your big finish type stuff, okay? Okay. So I want to give Home Alone a mention here. I think Home Alone is a Christmas movie, but Home Alone could absolutely be done without Christmas. They could have left them for Thanksgiving. They could have left them for any summer vacation. The beauty of it, it is a Christmas movie, but it is a phenomenal movie. Now, Home Alone 2, again, like um, Die Hard 2, they made the intentional choice to make it Christmas again. That's on them. There's absolutely no wiggle room there. Though I do enjoy Home Alone 2 Lost in New York as well. But anyway, now, another honorable mention, and I forgot, but it definitely has a lot of skiing scenes, and therefore I do believe there is some Christmas. It was definitely on that um, WeAreMovieGeeks.com site. But John Cusack in Better Off Dead, the 80s kind of comedy, Better Off Dead, there's a little bit of Christmas there. Okay. And, and then the real one that I wanted to mention is also a John Cusack vehicle. This one from 2005, starring Billy Bob Thornton in the very dark comedy The Ice Harvest, which wow. little known, not like in my favorite list, but like super obscure reference, filibusterfreestyle.com, insider trading for you all right there. Okay. Now I'm officially out of movies, Carl. Bring us, bring us to fruition, my man. Okay. Man, this is like the, uh, I guess we, we, we just rambled through these. Um, well, we're dusting them because we did it. We you know we did a we did a pot earlier, and, and but we can go as long as you'd like. But yeah, we're moving. No, we're moving that's quick. That's fine. No, that's fine. So my number one, uh, and I actually just watched it last night. 
um, and completely forgot about it until uh, a day or so ago, is Trading Places. Yes, absolutely. With, with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, and um, actually uh, filmed and based in Philadelphia, and all the landmarks are very recognizable. Totally. So it's cool to like see all, because it was, uh, I believe, Trading Places was 1983, so it's cool to see all the landmarks in 1983, and like you can walk by them now, completely different, but still recognizable. Dan Aykroyd plays a um, uh, he plays a commodities dealer uh, whose name is Lewis Winthorpe, and Eddie Murphy plays a um, a beggar named Billy Valentine. Yep. And uh, Dan Aykroyd's character works for these guys Duke and Duke, who are brothers, and they're these like old white waspy uh, dudes, and they make a bet, Duke and Duke, between each other. Um, that they could uh, make life better for Billy Valentine, the guy in the street, yep. and completely ruin Winthorpe's life yep. uh, to a life of crime for a dollar. They make it a dollar bet. And so it goes down, and everything goes as planned. They ruin this guy's life, and then they, you know, they bring this guy in. Um, there's also a racial, uh, uh, you know... Um, uh, thing to it. I mean, they actually say, which was crazy. I didn't even think of this, but they actually say the N word. Billy Ray Valentine is in the bathroom. Yeah, and the one dude calls him an N, like he doesn't know Billy Ray's in the bathroom. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, like a lot of things in the eighties, when you watch them through a lens of like thirty-five years later, there it's just so much overt racism. There's so many things that we all took for granted as being kind of like edgy funny that are nowadays and rightfully so my add, not even close to funny <laughs> and really offensive so you've got to watch this one with the grain of salt everybody that this movie is does not hold up well in terms of um several things uh period yeah so, <laughs> sorry to get us down that track no you're well, fine but i will say this Really quickly before I lose the train of thought on um, the dollar bet. Yeah. What an old, rich, waspy dude move to wager such a little amount but put so much energy into oh, ruining yeah. people's lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They yeah they completely wrecked this guy's life for a dollar. And then they plan on firing the other guy after the holidays. They find out – so the guy that got originally got fired and the guy that got hired, they team up. And they end up uh, bankrupting these old... The Duke brothers, yeah. The Duke, the, the Duke, Duke and Duke. And um, it's a really neat movie. Um, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy in their prime. In their absolute primes, yes. Yeah, before Eddie Murphy put on all the costumes and played, you know, whatever. The clumps um, and the Nutty right. Professor, yeah. Right. When Eddie Murphy was in his prime. So, really great movie. Um, and my favorite part of the movie with the Christmas aspect was when Dan Aykroyd has been bankrupted is on the street. He actually is in a Santa Claus outfit, but like a really grimy Santa Claus outfit. Yep. It shows up that sneaks into a party and puts a whole smoked salmon in the Santa Claus jacket. And then on the train, he's like, he's like pulling pieces out, like in his Santa beard and like eating it. Hilarious. Yeah, they fully committed. They fully committed in that one. A great movie, a great comeuppance tale. 
Also, a quick little homage to Coming to America, Eddie Murphy vehicle. He plays a completely different character, but in the movie when he's, he's the prince, he hands up a crumpled bag up to two, to two bums in the street, and it's the Duke brothers. The two guys reprising their role, and he's like, Mortimer, we're back yeah. in business, or we're back. So, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another movie that had a little bit of a Christmas theme to it, too, by the way, Coming to America. Didn't think of that one, but anyway. Oh, I didn't think of that one either. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that one's my that one's my favorite. But, you know, I guess this goes along with the whole, um, I guess, uh, alternative Christmas playlist. These are kind of the alternative Christmas movies. So if you're not in the mood to watch a straightaway Christmas movie but still want a little bit of the holiday feel, these are some movies for you. Yeah, and by the way, just so people know, you can check out filibusterfreestyle.com or you can go on to our SoundCloud page. Um, it's actually, to be frank, both of our previous Christmas episodes, both the one with Carl from last year's non-traditional uh, Christmas music playlist and the one from two years ago we did with Ann Kennedy, both have been amongst our most listened to again this year. So we're excited to bring this third one into the mix. But, um, you know, kind of becoming a Christmas tradition to talk about some, some uh, atypical Christmas entertainment options for everybody. Uh, Carl, are you excited for Christmas? Excited for the holiday season? I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I love this time of year. I really do. Yeah, yeah, we um, we agree, man. We we wish everybody a really happy one. And I, I get apparently I was just looking on Twitter today. I believe is the first day of Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah to everybody. Uh, certainly, Merry Christmas. Certainly, everything that everybody celebrates. Winter solstice. I mean, it's kind of a time of year, at least in the northern hemisphere, where we all kind of realize that the worst is in front of us in terms of weather. So let's be celebratory with each other, uh, to each other, with each other. Have some fun. Turn to a new year and. And just hope for a, a ray of light uh, in terms of our society because, you know, a pretty dark year, a pretty morose year. Not going to get into that on this pod, but, you know, again, just wishing everybody the best here as we close out 2017, you know? Totally. Absolutely. Enjoy it. Uh, have good drinks. Have a lot of food. Enjoy family and friends. And, yeah. And have some trogues, right? Some trogues ale. Rogue's Mad Elf. The Trogue's oh. Mad Elf, baby. Absolutely. All right, folks. <laughs> FilmbusterFreestyle.com. It's your buddy Carl Ray. It's your buddy Gavin. And guess what? We got no theme song this week. Play a Christmas song or two. Listen to it. Enjoy yourselves. We'll talk to you soon.